You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many yeah, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back to 32 Fans in 32 Days. I'm Alex Chester. There's no wheels today. Uh, wheels Wienicker missing. Perhaps he's upset because the team that we are here to discuss today, when Akiva and I did our rankings, there were three teams that were tied. Um, the team we're discussing today, the Cleveland Browns, and two other teams who I will not say who they are because I don't want to spoil because they're going to be our next two episodes. But of these three teams, I ranked the Browns highest of the three. I think the Browns are the best of those three. But Akiva ranked the Browns lowest of those three. We both had the Browns ranked 15. So it was not that we disagreed on the Browns. It's just Akiva's much higher than those other two teams, I guess. Uh, one of them in particular, he's way too high in my opinion. And so because we had a three-way tie, we went to the listeners and we had the listeners vote. And the listeners voted the Browns the worst of these three, which is why the Browns come in at number 16 on our power rankings. With us to discuss the Browns returning from last year and is Maury Litwack. Maury, you told me that you, of all the very many um, media appearances that you've made, that none you enjoyed as much as, as being the 32 fans Browns person last year uh, and, and invited to come back this year. Why is that, Maury? Well, let me just say, not only did I enjoy it the most, but I reached out to Alex and asked whether or not I could return, which anybody who knows media knows these appearances there's no way to make yourself look more desperate than to yeah. go and ask if they could return on a, on a thing yeah. and so it's funny because i've been on a lot of podcasts and i've, and I've been on different uh, print stuff with the times the journal all kinds of other things but i really the 32 fans and i'll tell you why it's so important to me because i am a diehard bronze fan but it made my i have four brothers and it made numerous of my brothers upset at the way it was portrayed last year that i was a diehard super bronze fan with a level of expertise higher than theirs. So mm. I said um, I wanted to come back on to discuss it and reaffirm my commitment to this team, um, but also because I feel like in many th situations, uh, you watch things, you read things, and you don't get a chance to defend. And I think my beloved Cleveland Browns need defense, need advocates, need people like me who are out there pushing the right, accurate narrative, not this false, ridiculous, easy narrative that the Browns are the worst, the Browns are cursed, the Browns are terrible. It takes no courage to say the Browns are going to be bad. It takes no courage to say the Browns are going to continue to fail. It takes bold leadership like I'm going to present on this podcast to explain <laughs> to you how the Browns have turned it around. Bold leadership. Wow. Let's start at the top. Does Kevin Stefanski provide bold leadership for this team? I'm not a believer in Kevin Stefanski. I'm not okay. a believer in Kevin Stefanski. I think Kevin Stefanski, I think Stefanski can do one thing, which he is a quarterback whisperer, and he's excellent at that, and I think that's going to be uh, what he's going to do this year, which is why there's going to be a turnaround. 
but I don't believe in Kevin. I think Stefanski is 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 no brilliant coach in in desperate situations. Is it seems like the bloom is off the rose a little bit with him. When he first came, he was like very hyped, and the Browns are very hyped. Is this a make or break year? Like, if they could he be fired at the end of this year? I think if I think if they don't make the playoffs, he's he's going to be fired. I think okay, I so, think he will be fired. Yeah. So so that so that's so his his objective this year is make the playoffs or lose your job. Yes, I think if he yeah. if he doesn't if he doesn't make the playoffs, he will lose his job. Yeah. Um. I had Stefanski fourteen in my coach power rankings in both twenty twenty one and 2022 this year i dropped him to 20 um you know obviously they've underperformed the last couple of years although i will note you know the browns were third in in a fourth down aggressiveness last year so i still do like even even though the offense has been very disappointing he's been relatively aggressive which i like making the playoffs um you know they have a total of nine and a half but the bet to make the playoffs is like a toss-up right now it's like 50 50 basically which i think makes sense because you know their 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 total is nine and a half which is pretty good but it's third in their own division the only team they're ahead of is a team that literally never finishes under 500. Um, and, and the rest of the conference obviously isn't any easier. Every team in the AFC East thinks they're, they're making the playoffs. Same with, you know, at least three quarters of the AFC West. The AFC is absolutely loaded. And so, you know, there could be a situation where, and this is true for, for the Browns and the Jets and, and you know, the Chargers and, and half a dozen teams in the AFC where they could play really well this year, but win eight, nine, 10 games and miss the playoffs anyway. Yeah, I think I think for Browns fans, whenever you hear... 10 games. I think Browns fans are so morose and so depressed that they would be thrilled with 10 games and missing the playoffs. I, I think that that, that the standards are so low that I, I, I think 10 games, people would say that's incredible. But I, I, I think that the Browns fandom does not view, if you look at, at the Steelers and the Bengals and the Ravens and those teams, the Browns fandom believes that they have a better built team than the Bengals than, than the Ravens and the Steelers. They certainly mm-hmm. believe they're better than the Ravens and Steelers. They 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 now doubt whether they're better than the Bengals or not, even though they have their number. I mean, Burrow's only beaten the, the Browns one time, which shows that they do have the Bengals number to some degree. But so there is a little bit. I think there is some respect now on the Bengals name, but there's no respect there on the Ravens or the or the or the Steelers. Uh, so I think the Browns believe that that this is ours. Like that's that's the belief of the Browns fandom. Yeah, the, the win totals right now for those four teams, uh, Bengals, Ravens, Browns, Steelers in order. 11 and a half, 10 and a half, nine and a half, eight and a half. That is by far the, uh, the most total wins predicted for a division ever, uh, in the NFL. It's, it's crazy. Like all four are expected to be above 500. Uh, I guess the Steelers at eight, eight and one to get to the eight and a half would be exactly 500, but it's, it's really a very competitive division. We'll get to the schedule game a little bit later, but the Browns will have a chance immediately to see where they stack up because the first month of the year, you're facing uh, all three divisional opponents. Uh, so they will definitely, and then there's an early buy. So we'll, we'll know pretty early on how they're stacking up against, uh, you know, the uh, the Bengals and the Steelers and the Ravens. But let's start with the biggest question, obviously, quarterback. You know, we're a year past sort of the the shock and the scandal and 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 all the drama of the contract that they gave Watson in the trade. But the bottom line is, he was an absolute disaster last year. His EPA per dropback was negative zero point zero nine tied with Zach Wilson for 35th among the 38 QBs with at least 150 uh, dropbacks. His completion percentage over expected minus 3.2%, 32nd among qualified QBs. And the accuracy is just his complete lack of of accuracy is what really shocked me. 36th in accuracy on short throws, 10 yards and under. 38th on deep throws, 21 yards plus down the field. So uh, he was a little better in the mid-range, but like just incredibly bad accuracy across the board. And then the other thing is, he had career highs in time to throw, pressure to sack rate, and throwaway pass rate, which means just in general, he was holding on to the ball way too long in general. 
you know, he seemed to be puzzled and, you know, opting for checkdowns very frequently. And this is with an elite offensive line. Like he had, the, you know, he had a lot of protection, but much better than he ever had in Houston. But he was just overly tentative anyway. And I mean, what do we chalk that up to? Do we chalk it up to, you know, he was out of football for a year or? I think that there's three things you chalk that up to. I think number one is, is that he was out of football for close to two years. Yeah. And I just think pretending that that's not a thing is ridiculous. So you can't, you can't be out of football for two years and, 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 uh, and just magically make it happen. Number two is that um, he didn't know that he didn't know the scheme. I mean, Stavansky's scheme, he didn't know it really, really, really. It takes a little while to get in the scheme and, and understand it. And the third piece, I think, which is the most important to understand is that Jacoby Brissett was playing extremely well. Yeah. I mean, I think I think Browns fans, if they had it all over to do again, they would have they would have kept him in there. I mean, the de- the defense was horrendous. Uh, in in I mean, starting with the collapse with the Jets and going on from there. Uh, but if they had, if I think I think Browns fans were were clamoring for Brissett. So I, I think when you're when you're the perceived uh, quarterback savior in Cleveland, and all of a sudden there's the this this relatively no name backup who's performing as well as Brissett did. Uh, I think that that was sort of always on his mind also. I mean, he didn't really have any time to ease in and play the game. And I think that uh, it's funny because I believe that the Browns are going to be so good this year because I think Watson's going to be fine. And I think Brissett being as good as he is, is what you're going to see from Watson in, in a, with, a, with, with a whole off season to understand Stefanski's system and be there with him and, and do that. So I, 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 I don't understand. I don't understand or follow why there's so much assumption that Stephen, that Watson is basically just a collapse and a failure and everything else based on the track record. I just, I just don't get it. So, but now, I mean, now he doesn't have those excuses anymore, right? He's had the whole off season and, and he has a full preseason, et cetera. Like there's no more excuses to, to not know Stefanski's system. Uh, I mean, uh, we'll see what happens. I think that if, 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 if Watson goes in there and is, is shaky and, and not so great, I think the per- first person who, who gets the ax is going to be Stefanski. I think, for example, if they lose those those before the the, the buy, if they lose four out of the, uh, I think the buy is the fifth week when they lose if they lose three or four of those games right away, Stavansky's going to be in the hot seat, and I think people are going to come in and say, okay, it's 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 you, you have your dream quarterback, you're not you're you're you've got a good defensive coordinator now. They got Jim Schwartz, who's much better than than anybody they've had previously, um, and and so I th- I think I think there will be I don't think this is the end of Deshaun Watson. I think the person on the hot seat is going to be Stavansky, and then it'll be Deshaun Watson. But yeah. I, I think. You give away three first round picks. You're not bailing on the guy after, you know, even 10 games. You're going to see what happens. Yeah, I, I do wonder how often they're going to throw anyway. The Browns uh, in Stefanski's three seasons have ranked uh, 23rd, 26th and uh, last for 28th. So they've actually gone down each year in in pass rate. Um, part of that is, you know, personnel. Their quarterback uh, situation was in flux, at least until, uh, you know, late last year. Um, and, and also part of it, obviously, is Nick Chubb is the best running back in football. You know, the offensive line is great, so they're incentivized to run. Um, but I do wonder if Stefanski is just sort of more of a run-first guy, perhaps. Yeah, I, Nick Nick Chubb's not really going to have the competition now with Kareem Hunt gone with them sort of. But you saw them going away from that dual, yeah. that that shared uh, running back room, running back by committee. I mean, that that's gone. So, so I Chubb's think- playing all three downs now? I think he's going to play all three downs. Yeah. I mean, he definitely going to, the passing back role, I think is going to be his more. Now I saw there was, there was one of the running backs got injured. So, so the backup, so it's Drew definitely, Ford, going yeah. to be, I, I wouldn't be shocked if, if Kareemon even comes back and they say, okay, in some limited role, but I think they want to own with that line offensive line and, and Nick Chubb, they do want to run the ball. And there was some crazy stat last year, which my son always brings up to me to mock me 
about basically how when Kareem, when Nick Chubb had 20 carries, the Browns won. And so he used to sit there in the game and be like, oh, you just got to give him 20 carries. And then, and of course, the games they lost, they were like, oh, the run's abandoned. We're down by seven. The book, yeah. Let's get rid of the run. So, and I, of course, I, yeah. And those, those stats are always so stupid because you're you're mixing up, uh, you know, a cause and effect, obviously, right? Like you you also win 100% of the games where you kneel on the last three plays of the game. But, you know, yeah, that's not, exactly. Yeah. But, but still, so I think, I think there's, I think they're going to try to air it out more. I think they're going to try to do more. You saw, you saw, they, they, they did some deep shots early with Deshaun Watson when he was, when he was playing. Look, they also, the, the wide receivers are a different class now. I'm excited about Elijah Moore because I think he's, 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 um, was wasted on the Jets. I don't think they knew what to do with him and he was disgruntled and they let him go. Um, I mean, they traded with him, but still they basically mentally let him go. And they got Cedric Tillman, who was their first round, first pick in the third round, who, if, if, if people play fantasy, I mean, that's a great sleeper pick. I think he, he, he looks like he's going to be great. So, I think there's a lot of um, the wide receiver cl- group is is larger than just Amari Cooper. So I, I think they they have more. He has more weapons to throw to. Uh, I think he's going to air it out more. But but yeah, I, I think Stefanski's in the hot seat first, then Deshaun Watson right after that. I think if Browns fans don't see Deshaun Watson lighting it up within the first two three games, they are going to be merciless. Well, we'll get to the receivers in a second. So Kareem Hunt, and we're recording this a couple weeks early. He's uh, as of uh, we're recording on August 10th, still not signed. He he visited the Colts, got an offer, but didn't take it. He has also visited the Saints. So, yeah, he he might still be available. Who knows what, what will end up happening? But as of right now, behind Chubb, uh, Hunt's gone. Dearness Johnson also gone. Um, he uh, So right now, the only backup is Jerome Ford, who touched the ball a total of eight times last year in his rookie season. And listen, Chubb was Chubb played all 17 games last year. He's been um, by running back standards, relatively healthy, played 14 the year before. So missed, uh, you know, just a couple games there, uh, played 12 the year before. So and then played 16 in each of his first two seasons. So he's been relatively healthy, but, you know, relying on any running back to carry the ball 300 plus times as he did last year. Um, and now that, that was even with Hunt and, you know, and, and Johnson still there, obviously an injury risk. And and if they lose him probably would have to readjust their offense a little bit. Although again, it, it might be more the offensive line in the system. Cause even as good as Chubb is even Dearness Johnson, who none of us had ever heard and heard of a third rounder when he was plugged in in 2021, he looked fine. Uh, so let's go to the receivers. So Amari Cooper was sort of thrown off the scrap heap by the Cowboys last year. The Browns picked him up and he had, you know, a career season. He looked really, really good. And you mentioned uh, they, they got Elijah Moore from the Jets, who, uh, who uh, you know, people have been uh, high on at different times, although, you know, maybe a little bit of a disappointment so far. And then Cedric Tillman, who was their first uh, draft pick, albeit uh, late in the third round because they didn't have picks in the first two rounds uh, because of the, the Watson trade. They also have Donovan, Donovan Peoples-Jones, who uh, I always dislike because his name, like, makes me expand the column size. On like charts because uh, you know such a long name with the with the peoples and the, and the Jones the hyphenated there, but this this is probably the best group of wide receivers that the Browns have had in 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 many years, right? Yeah, I mean we were we you know they felt that way when when they had the OBJ signing, but we know how that turned out. Yeah, I think Amari Cooper. That's true. Yeah, that pair you know they thought they had a pair of uh, Pro Bowl wide receivers there, and uh, but you know so that I, I guess maybe that, that that group was probably better at least on paper than this group, but right. Um, so I think I think but I I do think. Just seems like Elijah Moore wanted to be in a place where he was going to be appreciated. He was going to be utilized more. I mean, you know, maybe if he waited for Aaron Rodgers, that would have been happened. But uh, I think I do think that they he, he's truly going to be a, a, a wide receiver two within the Browns, and that's the, what what they're we're treating him like. And I think Cedric Tillman looks looks good. I, I think he's going to be a sleeper sort of surprise freshman wide receiver that that comes out of the gate and is is good. So. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't think it's optimism. I think Watson's going to return to form. I think all these wide receivers are going to excel. 
yeah, I, I, I just, I'm not, I'm not really worried about, about these, these receivers. And I think Amari Cooper with what we traded him for was an absolute uh, robbery against an incredibly overrated football team that uh, simply knows how to brand itself and market itself, but isn't actually a good football team. And if they've been, a, if they were in a different market instead of Dallas, they'd be considered the Cleveland Browns. Wow. I mean, they haven't even been to a, a conference championship game this century. What's, there, so, there, what's the yeah. difference between the Browns and the Cowboys? I don't, I just don't follow the difference other, than, the last, other yeah. than, than the good, good marketing branding. We just, we, you know, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> I look the offensive line, you know, obviously still great. Um, Petonio and Wyatt Teller, one of the best guard combos in the league. So what is, you know, on paper, at least the offense seems to be pretty solid across the board. If this offense falters, what would the reason be in your, in your prediction? Look, that's why I come back to the coaching. I I just there's a lot of games where it felt like like Stefanski just feels like when he gets ahead, he's in good shape. And then you know, last year was so frustrating because they got ahead and then the defense fell apart. But Stefanski just has never struck me as a guy who knows how to play from behind or rally his team and do that. Maybe Deshaun Watson's gonna come in and be that leadership voice. But but Stefanski, you know, football is a game of inches, football is 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 any given Sunday. It just any it more just, cliches you could squeeze in there. I'll try to see if anybody else I can throw in there. It's yeah. it's it's um gotta protect the shield. Yeah, there you go. The <laughs> the it's just I don't know, like that's what makes me worried about Svansky. That's why I'm not a Svansky believer. If anybody could botch this offense, it's it's him. Like if anybody could just make could could just not play from he just never struck me as like that coach who who you're down 14 nothing or you're down 10 nothing and he sort of knows how to rally and do that he also as much as you say oh he plays on the there there are some pieces of this that still make me very nervous the special teams make me nervous especially our kicker make me nervous it's got like vikings vibe to it where i could see us losing games in a viking-esque way so it just makes you me just nervous. fired prefer you're uh you're a viking you're a former viking special teamer coach who uh, famously wanted to, to uh, put all the gay people on an island and nuke it and uh suffer no consequences for that comment but um, yeah, so he's been fired. Yeah, the, the Browns, you would assume there's got to be a little reversion to the mean because, yeah, their special teams has been a disaster lately. Hey, York is just just awful. Yeah, your your former kicker, uh, a member of the tribe who uh, was pretty good for the Vikings last year as of, and again, it, things might be different by the time this episode posts. But as of now, he's in a training camp battle with an undrafted rookie to uh, see if he can even keep the job. Yeah, I mean, we should have kept Joseph. I'm Alex Rodriguez and I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so let, let's go to the defense. So the defense, as you noted earlier, just a massive disappointment last year. You know, was supposed to be elite and was was far from that. So uh, defense coordinator Joe Woods out, Jim Schwartz in. 
Schwartz is known for like, you know, a constant blitzing method and relying on the cornerbacks to hold up in man coverage. And then the, the safeties and linebackers to step up uh, to help run defense. Does this sort of align with the personnel that the Browns have? I think so. I mean, they, they, they also made a lot of additions that I'm excited about. I know you're down on like Tomlinson and, and, um, but also like most of the, most of the, it's just really deep. I mean, so to me last year, everything was just Garrett and the year before everything was Garrett and the year before everything was Garrett. And it's just ridiculous. And they had, everyone was super excited about Clowney who was yeah. a complete joke. So, yeah. well, I mean, he was a disaster. He also, right. He got, he got suspended. He missed the last game of the year when he said, um, he th- he said the Browns were favoring Garrett, forcing Clowney to move all over the field. And he said, it's just BS and I don't have time for it. And he's right. He didn't. Cause he never played again after that. So. Yeah, it's always a bad idea when the Browns, players start to sound like the Browns fans. So it's always yeah. a bad, that's usually the point where they get them. That's usually the point, you know, like that's, I, if you watch any of the Johnny Menzel documentary, he sounded like Ooh. a Browns fan at this point, which we have to talk about at some point. Yeah. Incredible, incredible content there. Um, And by the way, as, as we're recording this, uh, Jadavion Clowney still yet to sign, although every year he signs a one-year deal and, and one year he even did it like in September. So, you know, he may, he may wait a little bit. Um, He ends up getting paid uh, eventually, but yeah, but, very but, disappointing. But the, but the defense is just a joke. Woods is, is so was so bad. I mean, you just used to you you'd watch the safeties were nowhere to be found. It was just a disaster. You look at the field, it was all green. And you'd say, Oh my god, it's it's all green. They're gonna throw it, just gonna throw it up in there. It's crazy. That yeah, it, game was crazy. Miles My, Garrett is, you know, in the conversation. For, I mean, he's after Aaron Donald for best defensive player in the game. And so the fact that with him, they were still just 16th and sack rate. Not great, obviously. So um, they they added. Um, you mentioned Zadarius Smith, who they added from the Vikings. He came out on okay. fire last year. He he had missed the full year before that to injury, so he hadn't played in a while. First half of the year was incredible. He had I think he had like three sacks in the first game against the Packers. Yeah. Ended up he had ten sacks at the I think maybe ten sacks at the halfway point, and then he finished with ten sacks, or maybe he had one in the second half. I forget, but he really disappeared down the stretch last year. And I don't know whether whether that was conditioning or age or what the explanation was. Um, so the Browns added him. They also added, uh, and I'm going to mispronounce this, Agbania Okoronkwu, who had five sacks for Houston last year. So they're trying to find other pass rushers um, alongside Miles Garrett. But I think that the the scheme, the, the the Schwartz scheme, where he's sending you know at least five guys after the quarterback every play, you, just because of that alone, you're you're going to get more pressure on the quarterback. The real question is, like the Schwartz system does put a lot of pressure um, because though, you know, the, the, the defensive ends line up so wide that there's a lot of pressure for the running defense because you know, they can be more susceptible there. And this was the worst rushed defense in the league last year. So obviously a big concern there. You added, as you mentioned, Tomlinson from, from the Vikings who was, was underwhelming for the Vikings, but you know, he's supposed to be a good run stuffer. Um, well, he actually was more of a, a pass rusher last year. He had 33 pass uh, pressures last year, which was a career high. Um, although I do see Taven Bryan, who he replaced with the Browns at 29. So, but, but Tomlinson's definitely better. He has a higher win rate, but yeah. So talk about the run defense, because other than Tomlinson, um, what reason do we have to think the run defense is going to improve? Because that was the biggest hole here. And now they've added a DC whose sort of specialty is, you know, getting after the quarterback. I think it's a big question. I don't know. I'm not going to sit here and defend it. I think it's, I think it's still, I'm not sure they've done enough to improve that on the run defense. I think they not do enough to get to the quarterback. They've got good corners. I, I don't know. I think the run run thing is it there it, it is suspect. I could still 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 see it being a problem. How much of it do you think is just woods and culture and how much of it is the personnel? I, I don't know. I don't think they added enough to do much there. Yeah, I mean it's a lot of pressure on the linebackers and, and the safeties. And I'm looking at this right now, their depth chart starting linebackers. Uh, Jeremiah Owasu Karamoa, Anthony Walker Jr., 
uh, Sian Takitati. Great names, by the way. But yeah, not, not guys with a great track record. Uh, the strong safety, Grant Delpit, sort of the same. These are these, the, you know, these are not sort of high profile guys. And, and someone's going to have to step up if they want to. They also drafted, by the way, uh, Siaki Iko from Baylor at the end of the third round. Oh, he's, and probably... he's, he's fantastic. Like, I'm a big, okay. I'm, a, I'm very excited about that. Okay. So and then the other question, of course, is when, when you're when you're relying on all your corners in man defense because you're blitzing the quarterback all the time. Denzel Ward, Martin Emerson, Greg Newsom, like talk to me about the about the secondary and if these guys can uh, can handle some of these. You're going to be facing a lot of elite quarterbacks in the AFC and a lot of elite receivers. I, I like I think I like Emerson and it's a weird take. I think I like Emerson and Newsom more than I like Ward. I think. Oh, okay. I think Emerson and Newsom seem like there were a lot of games where they're very impressive. Ward, I just don't think is doing as much for what he got paid for. I, I think he got paid like a top three corner in the league. I just don't think anyone would rank him as a top three corner in the league. So. I think they're, I think they're good. I think they're good. Um, and, and, you know, not this level of excellence, but I think collectively they're good enough. So I, I'm a pretty firm believer. It was the DC last year. It wasn't the, the personnel. I mean, I think it was personnel on the run, run blocking side, but I, I think the edge rusher still, it should, they should have been able to figure out more ways to get Garrett to the quarterback. And I think the quarters did a pretty decent job last year. You didn't see so much uh, opening. It's just the, the, the system was just a disaster. I just, I don't know what Woods is doing half the time. And I just can't, I wake up sometimes in a sweat thinking about that Jets game. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking, by the way, at Ward, uh, you know, obviously take PFF with a grain of salt, but his grade last year on PFF was only 56, which is was pretty awful. Um, as for a guy you took, you know, number four overall in the draft, he also has missed, you know, three, four, five games every single season, which is uh, not ideal um, if he's supposed to be your number one corner. Uh, they signed a Thornhill, the, the safety from the Chiefs. Because... Because they, you know, of the of the Watson trade, they had no draft picks until the third round. Which rookie, if any, do you expect to make the biggest impact uh, this season for the Browns? So I think there's. I'm going to do. I'm going to try to do. I'm going to try to be uh, acute here, which is I'm going to give a an on field impact and off field impact. Okay. So on field impact, I think it's going to be Tillman. I think it's Tillman. I think Tillman looked really good in the not one nonsense game we've seen, but I also think that, that every, all the tape, everything else, Tillman looks, looks good. Like he looks like someone who, who um, could really surprise. And uh, I think will I think we'll be good. I, I think people are going to be shocked at how good he is. And to me, uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson, DTR, uh, who looks bad on your spreadsheets, but I do think that, that, um, I think he looked great and, and right away. And there was a lot of talk about him in, in, when he was in college. And I think that if Deshaun Watson has any slump or bad games, knowing the Browns fans and how anxious we are for any semblance of normalcy, everyone's going to be clamoring for him to play. Uh, if Dorian Thompson Robinson, the, the quarterback out of UCLA that you took in the fifth round, if he's on the field for the Browns this year, things are not going well. <laughs> okay. Not going well, but you didn't ask that question. You didn't ask. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm giving my off the rack. I gave it on the field, on mm-hmm. the field one, yeah. and off the field one, which I could see Browns fans and Browns media, even if Deshaun Watson has a couple bad games, doesn't mean we're not making the playoffs, but it could create this clamoring already, and people are like, "Hey, what's that guy? Guy that, that you're, you're desperate for? For they're hungry, they're hungry, Alex. They're looking for something, some bowl of soup, something to eat, and so any glimmer of hope they're going to be excited about. I mean, you're talking about a, a team that celebrated Joe Thomas." as one of the greatest Browns players ever. Everybody yeah. else who goes to Hall of Fame, they're celebrating some incredible quarterback who won them a Super Bowl, some incredible running back who did X, Y, and Z. 
This is who we're celebrating is Joe Thomas. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, he he was excellent, right? I, I have him uh, for whatever. It's know, worth. It's just, it's just, I, I have him as the fourth greatest tackle of all time. And that was serving 11 years in purgatory in Cleveland where they were terrible. Still, that just says something to you about the hope and expectations yeah. of the Browns. They're like, all right, we'll take it. Sounds like, you know, like the man. Like we've yeah. got LeBron James on the on the basketball side of things. It just, uh, it's hard. It's, it's, also, it's also funny how all of the, all of like the, the, the big guys, uh, whether it's him, Jeff Saturday, like all these linemen, as soon as they retire and they don't have to maintain that weight, they get svelte and sexy all of a sudden. And then the guys who had to be in, you know, fit of their whole career, like Darrell Rivas, they let it go. Rivas is like twice as big as Joe Thomas now. If you saw that Hall of Fame game. It's oh, like, yeah, it's, it's 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 not an easy. It's not an easy lifestyle. It's surprising. I will just say, though, that um, Jim Brown was, a, what, what, you know, who passed away recently. That's the kind of like legendary, you know, that's the kind of Brown's. Browns fans view things like that. They view mm. things from the championship. Well, days. the way he treats women, Deshaun Watson is certainly following in his footsteps. So <laughs> sorry, I should have laughed about that. Um, yeah, Jim Brown uh, had some off the field challenges, let's just say. Um, but I uh, yes, but a, a legend nonetheless. Look, give me a little bit before I do the schedule game, give me a little bit of like oppo intel. Uh, you seem low on the Ravens in particular in your division. Why is that? I don't believe Lamar Jackson. Okay. All right. I, I just don't see it. I don't think they played well the last couple of years. And I don't think Lamar was anything, anything that special. Yeah. I'm, I'm a huge Jackson fan. He's his team has never given him any kind of wide receiver uh, at all. They continue not to, unfortunately, but um, all right, let's, let's play some schedule game. As I said, you start in the division week one at home against the Bengals. Is that a win or a loss? I think it's a win. Oh, wow. So you beat the they Bengals. Have, they, but that doesn't mean anything. I mean, they, they do well. They, they historically do well against the Bengals. And they do historically do. And Burrow Bur- Bur- might not even be playing that game. Yeah, I, I think he will. I, I'm not too worried about the injury. But I, obviously, if he's not playing, then it's a very different situation. Week two, Monday Night Football at Pittsburgh. Two Monday night. Uh, we're going to win that game. Oh, wow. So two straight wins in the division to get started. Uh, week three at home against Tennessee. Lose that game. So All right. So you beat the Bengals and Steelers. You lose to Tennessee. Interesting. And then week four at home against Baltimore. And then you have an early bye. I think we lose that game also to Baltimore. Okay. All right. So you go two and two, uh, but two and one in the division, which is probably going to be important for tiebreakers. Come out of the bye. You're facing San Francisco. I mean, the schedules, uh, it'll ease up after this, but uh, a real tough start here. Uh, we lose to San Francisco. Okay. So, and then they go at Indy in week seven. I think we beat Indy. Okay. And then at Seattle. I think we can win that game also. Okay. So they win in Seattle, team with a lot of hype and obviously uh, against the 12th man. Then at home against Arizona, probably the easiest game on the schedule. Yeah. They win Arizona. Okay, so five and three, turning things around after a two and three start with a three game winning streak. You go at Baltimore in week ten. A, yeah, I think that's a winnable game. I think we're going to split Baltimore. I think that's the game we we win. All right, so that you have the road team winning each of the uh, the Browns Ravens games. Interesting. So now it's a four game win streak, six and three, and you come home to face Pittsburgh. Lose that game. All right, so that's um, okay. So you're, it's interesting. You have you're splitting with all your divisional opponents, but you're winning on the road, losing at home. Yeah, I just think I just think like it's 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 to me it's 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 schedule it's head it's hat it's it's how things work in that in in their heads. I don't know. I just I just I could see like I don't see early on. I could see them beating Pittsburgh and Cincinnati early on. I could see them start to Baltimore. They always have problems with early, but I think later on that it'll be easier. I don't know. I, I think when it comes to the divisional opponents, the home or start, they, they, they lose on the they historically lose on the road. They lose at home. They're they're head cases no matter what. So to me. I'm putting less credence in there than I think other football teams would. All right. Week 12, huge game at Denver. There's a very few scenarios where both of these teams make the playoffs. And so, you know, with tiebreakers and a win, this is a very big game in Denver. In my yeah, mind. I think we lose that game. Okay. So six and five. Then you go at Los Angeles to face the Rams. You win that game. 
Okay, so seven and five, big pressure here in December against, uh, you know, as I said, the AFC stacked. Jacksonville, another team uh, that has high expectations this year. This one's at home in week 14. I don't know about that game. I'm not sure. I don't know. What, what do you think about the Jacksonville game? I'm very high on Jacksonville. I love Peterson. I love T-Law. So, um, you know, I don't know about that game in particular. But, um, I mean, each of these games, the Denver game, the Jacksonville game, like um, the Tennessee game, because now in my, most likely I think only one team is going to come out of the AFC South, the division winner. So it might matter less for tiebreakers this game uh, than some of the games against like, right, the, so, the West teams, so, for example. But so I think they lose. I think they lose. Okay, so seven and six. Then you play the Bears. I think we win. I think we yeah. Win. Again, probably uh, other than Arizona, as easy as you get. And then, uh, well, at Houston, that's another easy one on Christmas Eve. Yeah, they win that game. Okay, so nine and six. You face the Jets in week I seventeen. Think they, they, they destroy the Jets. They destroy, destroy the, the Jets. Jets. Wow. Destroy market. Like this is a revenge game. This is a. This is. They have to beat the Jets. Okay. Um, they did beat the Jets in the preseason, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. But, but you lost, you lost the Jets last year uh, and that was without Aaron Rodgers. So, okay. So that's a huge win. Now you're 10 and six. You've uh, gotten over the total of nine and a half. And, um, but again, I, I don't even know if 10 wins is a guarantee for the playoffs in the AFC this year. And then so I think you, we lose this game. I think we lose this game. Okay. So you lose this game 10 and seven. And do you think that makes the playoffs or no? We're not sure. Makes the, I think that makes the playoffs. I don't. I, I think that makes the playoffs. I do. I think that makes the playoffs. I think AFC is very competitive. I don't think you know anybody's cruising in, in the playoffs. I don't think the Chiefs are cruising to the playoffs either. I don't think there's there's you know maybe there's a surprise. Maybe the Jaguars go crazy or bonkers. But I think a lot of it's very competitive. The, the uh, AFC. And All so right. I don't know. We're, I think I think I think ten games can get you there. That's what I think. All right. We're we're probably gonna get bombed very shortly. But uh, what's your quick take on the Johnny Mantel documentary? This thing is just. So good. I can't, I can't even tell. I mean, people should watch it. And I'm not a fan of a lot of these. It clearly his marketing team, media team helped, helped create this. But I guess a couple takeaways I'll do. Number one is he apparently studied no. Yes. No tape. No tape. No tape. No tape, which I remember sitting in, in Maryland at a friend's house. Who's also a bronze fan watching him debut and us remarking like, it looks like he didn't know where the receivers are. <laughs> you watched that first game. It looked like he had no clue where the receivers were supposed to be on the field. So he, I don't think that's a shock to anybody, but he got away with watching no tape. And then the other thing is, is that he...